I have my hot cocoa. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I have my 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 monocle. What's it called? Magnifying glass. Um, I have my. Why do you have a magnifying glass? Because we're detectives. Oh, oh for the detecting <laughs> element. I was thinking of the yeah. Christmas element still. No, 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 no. Hot cocoa, my magnifying glass, um, the my black light. <laughs> I've got. Have. I have my emergency mistletoe supply. Yeah, <laughs> my supply fully of prepared, just in case and, I need an emergency smooch. You know I what I'm need, saying? <laughs> I need an emergency, really creepy way of trying to get someone to kiss <laughs> yeah. you. Frankly, tell me about it. Luckily, in these two films, there were no mistletoes, so we were saved. <laughs> we were saved from that. But that the implies second, that then the point is that we are hunting down the mistletoe, which I don't yeah. think is what we're doing. No, no, we're not hunting down the mistletoe. What we're doing is we're connecting the two movies together, but we're not connecting them because they've already been connected. This has been planned out long before we ever got our very astute detective fingers on these fi- on these films. Yes. This has been planned out for, for years and years. Um, by the by the executives over at Hallmark. What Hallmark yeah. has done for us is created a HCU, if you will, a Hallmark yeah, cinematic universe. And I, and I think the well first of all who are who are you? Mysterious voice in my Oh, ear. who am I? Yes. Hi. I'm Trey Plutnicki. Uh I I got my uh I got my degree in mistletoe mastery. <laughs> mistletoe debauchery uh mind you uh i i forgot my what my major is and and who are you other mysterious voice that sounds a little bit like mine i'm daniel kunkel i of course hold an mfa in holly jolly cheer uh i also i was very honored to i did an internship at the north pole under santa himself yeah that that was great yeah, now, that was really, really great. Um, now, do you know the real Santa, or do you know one of those fake Santas that just plays one? I know the real Santa. Okay. Who I think is portrayed wonderfully in our first film this week, our very first HCU film. So, what are we? What are we doing here? We've 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 teased and we've tiptoed around. I want to know what we're. I want to get down to brass tacks and figure out what we're doing here. Of course, the night before the night before Christmas was directed by James Orr, who has who's a man of many names, I think, because as we know, every Hallmark movie is directed by the same person and written by the same person. And that person was grown in a lab somewhere. So the night before the night before Christmas, the and uh, the town that Christmas forgot mm-hmm. and all subsequent other Hallmark related films, they are connected in some way. And it is our job to discern how they are linked. So I think a good place to start with all Christmas movies, if we're looking for ways to connect, is Santa himself. Yes, absolutely. So do you want, do you want to talk about Santa's role in The Night Before the Night Before Christmas? Santa's role in The Night Before the Night Before Christmas, I actually have a theory about his role. He is presented to us as a man who is very reliant on other people, uh, notably the elves, to prepare his route, to prepare his presence. He's very dependent on all these other people. I don't think that's the real Santa, though. 
Um, I think it's. I think we are no doubt that in this universe that's being presented to us, this is supposed to be the real Santa. I think the real Santa, though, he's playing fifth dimensional chess on everybody. Because in this movie, his head elf accidentally, how do you mess this up, sends him out the day before Christmas. The day yes. before the day before Christmas. So he gets sent out early, which, A, it's the head elf's job. And B, I, I just don't think you mess this up. And, and what's, what's the head elf's name? Uh, Nigel. Yeah, Nigel. Nigel Thumb, which is a, for one, hysterically offensive <laughs> name <laughs> for a little person, I would say. Thumb, his last name. So yeah, we're starting off strong with some bad names. I Remind me to bring that up with our second film here. You got but it. But Santa, Santa gets sent out a day early. He gets amnesia. And it is now a family's job to both locate his magic sack of presents, find his sleigh, fix his sleigh. And rejog his memory. And rejog his memory. So yeah, Nigel shows up and is like, yo, you've got Santa on your couch. And his family's like, no, we, no, we don't. That's, that's just some poor man who passed out in our driveway. And... So yeah, so then they have to. So Nigel's like, okay, well, Santa's forgotten his memory. He's lost his memory. And if and, we show him the bag, though, he'll remember. Yeah. The bag is because the bag is like his main thing. Uh huh. It's it's the thing that will do it. That will remind him he's Santa. And also, we need to. We need, I think I need to emphasize that he didn't just get amnesia or like lose his memory. He crash landed into a <laughs> residential area. Like a home, you know? Like he was in a bush, right? It's like the beginning of the Santa Claus, but without the the murder aspect of killing Santa. Yeah. Brain damage. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, that's the story we're told. And there's a whole emotional element about a family rediscovering connection. <laughs> whatever. I don't care. Um, I don't... I don't. That's not true. I think Santa's faking it. I think okay. Santa is absolutely faking amnesia to... Try and bring this family closer together, which he does. Uh-huh. He succeeds because Santa yeah. always, that is like, that is one of the rules of this universe, I believe, is that Santa will always succeed. Right. And so he is faking all of this just to bring this family closer together. I, Which is a, which is a big risk considering if they don't get back, like if they don't stay together, if they don't rekindle their love for each other. Uh, there's no Christmas for anyone. They constantly reiterate that fact. Yeah, especially, yeah, the stakes are high for Christmas. Um, this has been said over and over again, I'm sure. But the fact that the parents don't believe in Santa Claus, right? It's a, mm-hmm. we, it's a Christmas movie. Come on. Like, we get it. They don't believe in Santa. Like, you know, like that's just a trope at this point. The fact that they don't believe in Santa... Say they didn't get their kids anything for Christmas, but somehow there's still presents in the house for Christmas every year, and they still don't believe in Santa? That's my thing, okay? Like, no, the parents are never asking how these presents get there. Ah, whatever. You know? The one misstep I think they made with an otherwise <laughs> amazing opening to a Hallmark Cinematic Universe is they've created the most powerful piece of um 
uh, like plot device ever in Santa's gift bag. Uh-huh. Santa's gift, Santa's gift bag. For those of you who who aren't aware, in this universe, every time you reach into the bag, you pull out the present that you need the most. Like that's what you need. Which so is there's sick. a there's a plot. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy powerful. Yeah. So so the dad at one point is asked by the elf to order an altimeter for Santa's sleigh, because the dad we never really they never say his job. I think it's I wrote down that he's in. Um, he's like in plane parts management because <laughs> yeah. he talk he talks about needing to get like a fuel line to this to this airport somewhere. So he's they, he's they like never, a salesman. They never get specific. I think the best we could say is he's in business. Okay, he's, he's a businessman in, in business doing numbers a, and crunching those taxes. So <laughs> the the mom is a photographer. We do know this. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's a photographer in 2010. Who has her own dark room in her home, apparently. That's wild. Which crazy. very much That's confuses crazy. me. Because <laughs> I, I didn't, and I didn't catch it. Uh, I had to like go back and double check when she comes out and she's like, oh, I smell like the dark room. I'm like, what? <laughs> in your home? Are you, de- are you developing <laughs> film in your home in Usually, 2010? Yeah, people go places for that. You don't need one in your house. Um, you don't you don't need one in your house. Ha- anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the dad is supposed to order this and then... At one point, once they've, I think at this point, they've accepted that he's really Santa Claus. The elf is like, Nigel is like, have you, you got the altimeter, right? Like, can you call and see where it is? And the dad's like, I didn't order that. I thought you two were crazy people. <laughs> yeah. And Nigel's was- <laughs> like, Nigel's like, oh my God, what are we going to, hold on. <laughs> I've got the magic sack that solves all problems. And he like puts it on the table. Very matter of factly. I think it's a really fun moment for him. Very matter of factly puts it on the table. Is like, reach in. And the dad's like, there's not an altimeter in there. He's like, no, there, just do it. Trust me. Here's Nigel really showing his hand as an incredibly powerful character, I think. Um, he's an angry man, first of all. He's about to assault a security guard at one point for not letting the real Santa take part in a Santa lookalike contest. Yeah, yeah. He's an angry, angry man, and he, he really shows his power, and he's not afraid to show his power. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I'm excited to see where that character goes in future films. When yes, they bring him back. <laughs> absolutely. And they will bring him back. Um, I think when we go into the second film, I talk more about how, like, how con- the connective tissue in the HCU works. Mm-hmm. But I think two things about the magic sack and two things regarding the magic sack, which I will keep calling it the magic sack. <laughs> Please do. Um, first, the odometer. If so, the alti- altimeter. The altimeter. So, God, and I got which, my degree. Which when in... we when we see him plugged in the altimeter, first of all, magic sleigh shouldn't need an altimeter. Yeah, right. That's a weird bit of like faux realism we're going right. for here. But the altimeter, when he plugs it in, it glows with like fairy dust. Like and it he, glows. And he's using like a Phillips head and like really. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Please like you continue. Need screws over there. Anyway. <laughs> So he gets the altimeter out of the magic sack and, but he doesn't, the dad doesn't believe in any of this. So what his heart truly wants, I don't think is the altimeter because he would have ordered it if he wanted the altimeter, you know, like if his heart wanted it. What do you think he would have, he would have pulled out if this was real? I don't know, like a TurboTax gold subscription, (laughs) a brand new leather briefcase, (laughs) not an altimeter. He's business. 
Anyway, uh, yeah. part two about the magic sack, which I fa- which I think is going to be very important. Yes. We find out that the daughter, there's a daughter in all this, by the way, Toby's sister, who I don't know her name, but Toby, I know Toby's Toby, name. Toby is the son. Yeah, Toby's the son. Toby's they sister. Say, they say Toby half a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. Good Toby Lord. is said all the time. He runs off. He, he runs amok. Oh, my gosh. Um, Toby's sister said she wanted a little brother for Christmas, which leads me to believe that Toby is Jesus Christ himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he came out of Santa's sack. Because her heart wanted that when she was seven years old. And I think Toby came out of that sack. So, oh my god. So you're saying Toby is Christ reborn. Yes. That's, wait, that's where Jesus Christ came from, right? Santa's child? No, it's God's (laughs) child. It's God's child. Right, okay. So, wait. It'll (laughs) It'll be interesting to see if any... If they bring in any of the divine, so if I've read all the Hallmark comics, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if they bring in the divine elements of the comics into the films. Gotcha, right, right, right. Because if they do, if they do, I think that theory's got a lot of legs right there. Yeah, absolutely. I one, can't believe one, I just said that the son of Santa is Jesus Christ. And I, I was <laughs> really confused where you were going, but I um, think it holds water. <laughs> I, I, I I'll write it down. How about that? Um, the last po- I I think we should I think we can move on to our second one and, and get some connections going here. Of course. My my last my first note I wrote down, but also my last point. There is a quote in this movie that I hate, and I and I but I also love, and I will get a tattoo of it. Um, okay. Santa, uh, who we know to real be the real Santa, goes. And they have to go, they have to track down this uh, Toys for Tots van mm-hmm. in the movie. He goes, he finds, they find this guy who's helpful, who works at like a um, donation um, center, who drives them to the mall where the Toys for Tots van went. And he's, get, they're all getting out and they run into the parents and Toby's like, we made a new friend. And, you know, this guy is very nice to them. This dude uh, looks Santa Claus dead in the eyes. <laughs> And says, <laughs> and says, quote, uh, Santa's like, thank you very much. This guy's response is, quote, Yuletide brother number one. <laughs> Yuletide brother number one. That's fantastic. And then he holds, a, he holds a fist up to Santa. Santa looks confused. The guy bumps his own fist and Santa fist bumps him and he walks away. I hate this moment. <laughs> I think this moment will haunt my dreams. Yeah. Um, and that's all I have to say about the night yeah. before the night before Christmas. I would, wanna... recomm- go, I would go, recommend go, go. this movie thoroughly. Okay. I enjoyed this movie very much. Yeah. I think this is a wonderful start to the Hallmark Cinematic Universe. It's so much. It's, it is fun. I'll give it that. It's fun, fun, fun. And it, it, opens, it opens the can of worms. And mm-hmm. similar to Iron Man, I feel like they didn't know what they started. Which is why when nowhere comes up, things things go amok. Yeah, the 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 infamous town of nowhere. Yeah. Which I like I like how instantly we're getting out of the city. Yeah. We're out of the We're getting out of yeah, we're getting out of these crowded populous areas. 
We're showing more of the world right off the bat. Uh-huh. Now, I would like to ask you a question, Daniel, and I would like to Please. get your honest opinion. Yes. Is nowhere the North Pole? No. Okay. No, nowhere, nowhere, the town of nowhere. Yes. Is a dream. Okay. Whose dream? Ooh. Honestly, I think it's the father's. Interesting. So this is maybe, this is, okay, wait, we're, we're riffing right now. Okay. This is what I think the connection is. Interesting. So the, the father in The Town That Christmas Forgot and The okay. Night Before the Night Before Christmas are both played by Rick Roberts. Yes. Um, who's wonderful. Seems like he's having a great time making these movies. Yeah, I will say it seems like he's having way more of a blast in The Town Christmas Forgot than he was having in the first one. I think he's, I think the character is a lot stiffer. Yeah. I think the character is a lot, uh, a lot more rigid. I think, um, yeah, I'm going to come back to that. Okay, now I think maybe that the town Christmas forgot is all a dream inside the head of the father from the night before the night before Christmas. Gotcha. And I think, uh, because they're very similar characters in the family. But they serve serve a role. He serves a role as lesson learned. Like, he learned his lesson from the night before the night before Christmas. And now now he's spreading the Yuletide cheer and encouraging the Yuletide cheer, uh, as a proper ordained Yuletide brother in in the town that Christmas forgot. Okay, so you're saying it's not a dream. You're saying it is the same character, in fact. We've just re No, no, sorry. No, 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 no. It's... Okay. <laughs> it's, Lay it on me. It's the same... Okay. So the dad from the night before the night before Christmas... Mm-hmm. Rick Roberts....is the dad in the, t- the town Christmas forgot... Also played by Rick Roberts. In his dream. And his dream is him, is is like a lucid dream of her, him learning the lesson that he learned in the night before the night before Christmas. So where, so canonically then, where does this take place? The town before, the, the town Christmas forgot. Uh, this takes place, let me think. Is this, is this a reaffirmation of the lesson or is this a, maybe a precognition of the lesson? Does he ever nap in the movie? Do we see him sleep? In the town Christmas forgot? <laughs> yes. No, no, no. In the other one. And the, the night before the night. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We know for a fact a night passes in the night before the night before Christmas. So, okay. So is the town Christmas forgot maybe maybe a premonition? I think it's. Of I the think, lesson he will learn? I think it takes place in the middle. Because why else would it be the night before the night before Christmas? Yeah, and why, and, why give us that gap? And you're telling me, you're telling me that his daughter's weak ass <laughs> argument <laughs> to make him believe in Christmas was what got him got him to where he uh, to where he needed to be to save Christmas. You're telling me that. So, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm saying so, he had to he no he had to have like a, a Scrooge dream sequence in order to get to where he got at the end of that movie. Okay, so this this does play into what I think is actually intended to be symbology, but I think you've now given it a much more interesting amount of symbology. Uh, in the town in the town Christmas forgot, this family is driving to a, a lovely resort in uh, Montana or Colorado. I can't remember. I can't remember either. They're driving to a lovely resort. They get stuck in the snow. They get rescued by um, a wonderful, very nice man who I, I truly love as a character. He seems oh, he's like a great, great. guy. Yeah. 
uh, named Coleman. So for keeping track of bad names, we've got Thumb. And now we have a man living in a former coal town named Coleman. Coleman. So that's we're two for two, Hallmark. Yeah, um, really I need some good. more clever naming conventions. Here. Um, they get rescued by this man brought to the town of Nowhere. And in this town, each family member goes on to learn uh, a lesson of some kind or, or have a realization of some kind. Uh, it is a lot more of a uh, personal journey than the night before the night before Christmas. Santa's nowhere to be found, which is why I feel like it had to occur in a dream of someone who doesn't believe in Santa. We've gotten, yeah, we've got an impersonator, and that impersonator very much denies his desire to be Santa. Yeah. Now the reason which, why yeah, I, maybe the yeah. reason why I asked if it's the North Pole is if that that man who works at that toy shop is actually a defunct Santa Claus. But I, a I defunct? have a, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna go with your I'm gonna defer to uh, the theory that we have going. Uh, I just wanted to present that question to see if you had any corroborating evidence, uh, because I know I, your MFA is is higher stakes than my than my uh, simple <laughs> BS that I have. I um, no, I I think I think we'll definitely get to the movie that is um, that'll give us our first real view of the North Pole. Um, as someone who's who's been to the North Pole, this is pretty close. Um, it it does feel like a former um mining town very down on its luck but so it's, it's similar but but I don't, I don't know if we're quite there yet mm-hmm. um but let's go but yeah, let's go over the plot but, uh, more yeah 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 so so they get they get taken to the, this town of nowhere very down on its luck town has uh literally one restaurant <laughs> everything is closed and a diner no less Ugh. and it's a diner yeah. owned by owned by the mayor and the mayor's wife yeah <laughs> um and let me tell you there's some bad stuff in this town. Um, everyone is sad. The wife who, um, the wife of the mayor who, it seems like she's running the diner. Let's be real here. Um, she wants to throw the Christmas pageant. What was the yeah, name? Yeah, pageant. Wait, hold on. It's the Christmas Eve. Pa- it's not pageant. Is it pageant? I've- I've got hold on. I've got the hard copy of the screenplay right here. Do Let you me actually... pull it up. No, <laughs> I, I was, was like, going to look up like, the send movie. Send that to me. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see. If anybody, yeah, if anyone has the uh, hard copies of these yeah, please. scripts, please, for the love of God, send it to me. Um, all right, you keep talking. I'm going to find out what this is called. Yeah, absolutely. So she wants to do the t- the town talent show pageant thing on Christmas Eve. But, you know, the mayor is like, no, we're not going to have any sort of Christmas things going on. And apparently the town, we learn, the town used to be this hustling, bustling, uh, like, conglomeration of happiness and Christmas cheer until, aptly, the coal factories decided to, to reign over the town. Aptly, I say, because coal is a, a metaphor in Christmas cheer. I don't think I need to explain that to you, but I needed to explain that to myself. <laughs> I, d- I definitely caught that metaphor. Yeah, okay, great. Anyway, so the mayor went all in I on didn't Cole, catch that metaphor. and he should have gone all in on happiness. Um, yeah, it's a Christmas I think, pageant. I, think, I looked it up. Oh, Christmas pageant. It's really a pageant? Yeah. That's so creepy. She says, you all should come to the Christmas pageant. 
<laughs> okay. So he so the mayor keeps striking it down and the mayor has this weird like sexist energy to him where he's like I literally I literally wrote down big sexist energy yeah, and I he, hate him. He goes he goes get ready to make me dinner toots. He doesn't say that, but he says he basically says that. Uh, no, he does at, he does at one point say that all of the women who are preparing this dance for the pageant <laughs> Uh, need to need to go home and like do their wifely duties. Or That's some really crap. bad, really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah, something like you need to go back home to where you deserve to, to be. Yeah, or, to or, do your women thing. Like it's yeah, awful. it was really bad. But I, I literally, he's the he villain. Literally, at one, he is the bad guy. He literally says uh, he literally uses the term men folk at one point, um, which is not good. Do you know that? Do you know when he uses like? Get, Use that in a sentence, please. Country of origin. Oh God, um, he's. What does he he's say? He's like, oh no, he he's like he's like you can't have the pageant because we don't want. He's like us men folk <laughs> got better stuff to do than oh. worry about this. Good God, yeah. All the men seem like they're real real gemstones in this. All in these this movie. All these. This is a town. You talk about a town that needs a therapist in it. Um, yeah, it's this town. It is. It is the town of nowhere. Um, so the mayor tells, uh, the waitress at the diner, who is also his wife, um, to, that you need a permit. (laughs) You need a permit to use the high school for your Christmas pageant. Now, Daniel. Spoiler alert, they don't need a, yeah, they they don't. They never get one. They put it on at the end. They put it on anyway, right? And there's no, like, confrontation Mm -hmm. or anything like that between. No. If they just put it on, even Mm -hmm. without the family coming in. I thought I missed something, by the way. I was like, no. did I miss something and I'm going to have to watch? like, Because all of a sudden we're at the pageant. And I'm like, wait, I thought they couldn't do the no. pageant, which is why. I, I finished watching this movie 20 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> you missed nothing. <laughs> which is why, once again, you know how dreams have this funny way <laughs> of kind of placing you, putting you in one place. And then all of a sudden you're in another place without really mm-hmm. explanation. Mm-hmm. What a remarkable way to say that we are in a dream from the creators of the HCU. Let me ask you, let me ask you something. Do we ever see the dad interact with anyone besides the family and people in nowhere? No, he doesn't go into the gas station. They stop at a gas station after they leave nowhere. The kids go in. The dad does not dad go does in. does not go in. No, you're right. I think it's, I think it's a dream. And it's honestly, um, think about this metaphor. Go, so the dad and Coleman... Go over to one of the coal mines, right? Yeah. To like look around or something. They go to, no. They go to give cookies to the one man who is there. We don't really get explained what he does at the gotcha. abandoned coal mine. But they go there and he falls in the pit. And Col- Coleman does. Yeah, Coleman falls in the pit, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's dead! He's literally dead!" They killed. Someone. He looks dead. <laughs> yeah, they literally <laughs> killed a guy. Um, and. He, he pulls him up with rope, like, out of this hole, like the dad does. And what a remarkable metaphor for what he needs to do in the first movie. He's in a hole. He's in a Christmasless, joyless hole, and he needs to pull his himself out of it. And what better place to do that than at a coal mine? He's in a hole at a coal mine. Coal, the worst thing you can get for Christmas, and he yoinks himself out of that that hole to save christmas not only for the town in his dream but also for the world in real life that is a beautiful metaphor that they absolutely intended um (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I, yeah, because I think I, and to add another layer to that, while he's like lifting himself out to lift Coleman out, he Coleman's like, "You should sing." And Ted's like, nah, "I don't sing, of course," because he's a middle class dad in a Hallmark movie, of course. Um, and then when he when he <laughs> lifts Coleman sing. out, men don't sing. We know this. Um, <laughs> when he's lifting Coleman out, he does start to sing. Yeah. Which also, crap, he doesn't sing. He sings earlier in the movie when they're preparing soup for the soup kitchen. True. Crap on that. True. That's a lie. Also, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, sidebar. Not related to connecting them. When Coleman says, I need you to sing, it'll make the pain be less painful or something like that. And then the dad starts singing. I 100% would be like, okay, please stop right now. Like, because he's like, he's like, jingle bells, jingle bells. He's lift, he's lifting a, I mean, what, 200, 190 pound yeah. man. Oh, it's got to be more than 200. Who is, not who to is discredit dead. Coleman. No, not, not to shame it's Coleman at all. more than 200 he's, probably. He's, he's probably, he's probably six foot one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's lifting a man who is, who is almost literally dead weight. This man has broken his yeah. legs. Like he, he is limp as all out and he's lifting him like 20, 10, 20 feet out of a mine shaft. Yeah, that's tough. And it's hard to sing. I mean, think, think about his, his, uh, his diet, his diaphragm. He needs, he He's has got no, no support. support. Yeah. No exactly. support Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So let me then ask you, why then do we have these tangential stories of the mother who was on Broadway and is now in sales, um, teaching the women how to dance. And then we have the daughter and actually what I found to be a strangely progressive depiction of a young teenage girl in a movie of her, Stepping in to become this music producer for this terrible high school band, um, it's a it's a okay it's a it's on it's a very strange scene. Yeah, it um, moves. It so doesn't fast. It moves. It doesn't feel so quite fast. right. Um, and then we also have the son in a very dark subplot trying to convince a clearly depressed man to open up his toy shop again, and then also to be uh, to be Santa again. So do you think those are all elements think, of the dad's psyche, each wrestling with a different kind of problem that he's having? I think so. And I, th- I, think, they, I think they represent some sort of psychological uh, stages of some emotion that I'm not qualified to, <laughs> to comment on. I feel like you are, you are qualified to comment on that. Which, which, what stage of what emotion are, do each of the people represent? Oh, I don't think, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's a stage of acceptance or anything. There's no, there's no grief. I th- he's not, he's not grieving. No, anything. he's not grieving. I, if is, I, if is, I can. Are they stages of Christmas cheer? I think they are stages of Christmas cheer. I think it's a much more, I think the dad story that you have clearly laid out how that is clearly about him getting out of the Christmas rut he's in. I think the other elements are just the tangential elements of his life. So I think with the daughter's storyline, we see him kind of reclaiming his autonomy. Cause we see at the beginning of the night before the night before Christmas, he's very um, reliant on his boss. He's very beholden to his boss. He's like always at his, de- his boss's beck and call. Uh-huh. That's very much the problem of the night before the night before Christmas is that the parents are always away. And I think with the daughter's storyline, seeing her kind of, taking charge of this boy band and helping them get better with their music. We see him also reclaiming that passion for work. 
but also that element of being your own boss. You know, he's passionate mm-hmm. about his work. He does love being a plain parts manager slash salesman slash general businessman. And when and when you say he loves it, he loves it. He he can't get enough of selling those plain parts to uh, to Boeing or to it's, American Airlines. It's what he loves most in the world, <laughs> and he's lost that. Yeah, he's definitely lost that. So uh-huh. the daughter is him regaining that. I think the mother's storyline, We the mother helps the dancers, uh, the other women in town, become better dancers because she was a dancer once on Broadway. Yes. Um, I think that's very clearly him just regaining kind of the joys of his youth and remembering all the reasons that he's done things in his life. I think that's an element of also um, accepting that having kids changes your life. Yeah. Because the mom was on Broadway, and then the daughter says, "Until she had me, and then my my brother," which which she didn't. He Rick Roberts in his own head said that to himself. Yes, I think that's him saying, "Yes, you had you know maybe he wanted to fly planes before selling the plane parts." Wow! And then he discovered his love of business, and it wasn't <laughs> that having kids meant he couldn't fly planes anymore. It was that no, I found a new love in business, a new love that's stable. That's stable and that's good for me and good for others around me. And that's really, really, really good. Dare I say grounded. And then the sun storyline. The sun is trickier. I wonder, I don't, I don't, do you have any thoughts on the sun? Uh, The sun trying to pull uh, a, an old man that no longer recognizes himself out of a rut. Does that sound familiar? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that sound like. A little special Toby, you know? Maybe maybe that the son is is his manifestation of Toby. Maybe the old man is maybe a version of him he fears to become. Yes. It's, his, it's his father. It's his father who hid away from the world. Amazing. <laughs> after Brilliant. his business went down. I think I think in ways that Star Wars, uh, how The Force <laughs> Awakens echoes uh, echoes a new hope. In, mm-hmm. in Star Wars, how episode yeah. four and episode seven kind of mirror and echo each other. I yeah. think Hallmark wanted to open their cinematic universe with something safe, a story that we knew. And the first two movies, I do feel like, have that sort of uh, Scrooge element, that Christmas Carol element. And they wanted to make sure viewers were on board with a story uh, that felt familiar to them. So I think that's why we find ourselves with a night before a night before Christmas and uh, the town Christmas forgot relating like this. Absolutely. And I think this is abundantly clear <laughs> to anyone who's seen the movies uh, even once. Yeah. Jennifer, Gen- I mean, we also like talk about getting some heavy hitters right off the bat. We got Jennifer Beals in the night before the night I before could, Christmas. I couldn't believe my eyes. That was, she was, she's, she's great. great. Yeah, she's great. Um, I, I love R.D. Reed. I think he's a great first um, first outing for the character of Santa Claus. The humble uh, omnipotence is, I think, what is something that is so difficult to capture with a good Santa. And mm-hmm. I think I think the HCU is going to nail that every single time. And that's why I think in the night before the night before Christmas, he's faking. Yeah, yeah, humble omnipotence. R.D. R.D. nails that. Absolutely, uh, which exactly what you're saying. He nails that, like that slight, slight wink, slight wink each time. You know, and slight little. Yeah, no, I definitely forgot everything. Wink, 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 wink. And Toby also nailing the whole water to wine thing. 
There's a man in the town Christmas forgot at the talent show. Okay. Who is it? Who is a juggler? And Trey, you are a juggler. <laughs> yeah. Do you want me to give what my I review? really what I really want to bring up is the fact of this man has the confidence to go out. He bought the juggling balls. He bought the juggling pins. Which are, they're expensive. Those are expensive. They're pricey items. Yeah. Those are pricey items. And, and, I think most expensive of all, he bought a court jester outfit. And he went out there and he humiliated himself. And he does not know how to <laughs> no. juggle. Here's, I, I think him, the actor, though, knows how to juggle. And he was like, yeah, I can juggle, but, like, I know how to make it, how to do a good faking it. One thing he did to have, like, a good faking it nobody is going to be able to see this but he does this i'm going to act it out and explain what i'm doing he does this thing where he when he's juggling the pins he juggles the pins and then he throws one up high into the air and he like trace juggling the pins right now he he like fumbles it in the air Mm -hmm. and then he like checks like six times up in the air to make sure the pin isn't still up there and like he knows about gravity he knows he knows the pin isn't going to stay up in the air for like 10 15 seconds it's up and it's down so you're saying you're saying it's a bit. You're saying it's a lie. I'm saying it's a bit. Wow. I'm saying he bought those things as a bit, which like, I mean, the qual- what a bad time to have a bit. Yeah, in, I know. A, in a pageant that you know the town doesn't want to have. Everyone's super <laughs> depressed. No one has any money, and you go all in on this <laughs> juggling. Yeah, bit. tell me about it. Yeah, I'm all for I'm all for like fifty dollar jokes. You know what I'm saying? That was a fifty dollar joke, not at the right time. That's like a flex no. joke. You know what I'm saying? No. Trey, I think this is a great start to us unraveling this long, long thread. I'm looking at the list of movies. Uh-huh. I think I read an article somewhere that halfway through 2011 is when they ended phase one. Oh. I th- yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these title. Annie Claus is coming to town. So we're going to get the spawn of Santa in addition to Toby. Yeah. And I, so we'll get Toby's sister in there. <laughs> I think I think phase one ends around there. So I think after that, um, kind of new storylines are going to be popping up that kind of vaguely connect back to phase one. But it'll all come back together towards the end of phase two. It'll all come back together till phase two. I remember when everyone was so excited that like Endgame was coming out. They were like, oh, my God, it's so exciting. Like culmination of. You know, all the all these years of drama, whatever. I'm looking at the amount of movies Hallmark has put out. <laughs> Go to sleep, Marvel. You got nothing. <laughs> um, we've got 21 movies in two years. Yeah. We have uh, nearly 30 films in three years. It's it's brilliant. It's, it, you know, <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> you know, by the by the time Marvel had their first Endgame, Hallmark was like, we've had three. We've had we've had three total Endgames. I think they we've have... had three. We've had three Endgames that also watched Justice League and Rise of Skywalker, and like were made watching like were made while the editor was watching Citizen Kane in the background. Like, get, get over yourself. Well, they also just announced the. Uh, they just announced the end of their 15th phase, I think. So, like, they're killing it. I'm, like, trying not to read a, a lot of stuff. It's hard because Twitter is, like, flooded with information <laughs> about this stuff. All right, so what are we, what are we watching next week? Uh, next week... So if people want to watch it and, and know what we're talking about. Next can. week is Call Me Mrs. Miracle, which I'll tell you what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you worried about, Trey? Uh, that sounds like... <laughs> That a bad sounds movie? like well, no, it doesn't sound like a bad movie because how could it be? Uh, it sounds like 
um, we're going to get another Mr. Mayor coming at me with, with some finger guns saying, how you doing, toots? You're going to make me a sandwich soon? Like that sort of thing. Let's let me about. let's read the description of it real quick. I think we should I think we should tell uh, what we're watching and then watch the um, yeah. re- read the description of it really quickly. Um, let me go to IMDb. No one celebrates the holidays like Emily Merkel or Mrs. Miracle, as she is known by some, who is back to ensure that this Christmas is the most magical and meaningful of all. When Mrs. Miracle appears as a seasonal employee in the toy department as at the financially troubled Finley's department store, this is the longest sentence ever. <laughs> Neither the store's owners nor the customers have any idea of the events that are about to unfold. Just when it seemed Christmas might not come at all this year, Fenley's favorite employee proves that they don't call her Mrs. Miracle for nothing. So we're getting a second omniscient character in addition to Santa Claus, it seems like. Brilliant. And her her name is Mrs. Miracle. Mrs. Miracle. Maybe... I don't want to look. I don't want to like set things in stone. I'm getting maybe she's Mrs. Claus. Maybe interesting. That's an interesting theory. We'll have to see next week. And also, what a fantastic introduction! The first solo, solo character introduced being the dad, whose name is, uh, his name is Wayne Fox. That's a good name. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah, Fox. He, for some reason they're called the Benson family in the town. Christmas forgot. I don't. They're. I don't know. Maybe maybe someone with a psych degree can tell us some of the deeper meanings there. Um, but yeah, Wayne Fox, great, great first solo movie. Um, I'm excited to hear about Mrs. Miracle. Um, Me too. And how she will, how she relates into all of this, and how she will relate into all of this. Yeah, what we're what we're gonna get in a, in a way, the kernels that get set up are almost more more tantalizing than the actual current mysteries. You Precisely. Know? Setting and, up those future little mysteries. Yeah. And the tie-in for Mrs. Miracle might not come in until the film after that. Um, but we are not here. We are, we, are, we are here to speculate. And we are here as students to, to uncover this for you. And I, and I think there's a lot we can all learn as, as filmmakers, but also as people from these experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I pray at the mistletoe uh, three or f- three or four times a day. And that's just what you need to do with my BS in in mistletoe studies. I think I've said I've had a BS in like six different things. <laughs> you have six different yeah. BS. We'll, we'll, we'll sort it out later. Yeah, some may say I'm full of BS. That's our show. So you proud of that one? <laughs> Are you really proud of that one, huh? <laughs> trying to get that sign yeah, off yeah, joke yeah, huh yeah. all right yeah so, so that's our show stay jingling and stay jolly thanks for listening <laughs> jingle 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 outro music it's copyrighted